This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. It is the Danny Mac Podcast. Welcome back. It feels like forever since we've gotten together, even though we don't really get together. I like to think of me when I do these things, even though I'm staring out at wonderful landscaping on the second floor in my gated trailer park. I like to think of being downtown in the cockpit of a 50,000 watt blowtorch and all of you listeners, all of you Mac podcast listeners are scattered all over Chicago's highways and byways. There I see you on the Kennedy and oh my God, look at the Eisenhower traffic and it's only 2.30 in the afternoon. We're going to have a captive audience today. That's what I like to imagine, but still there's no get together officially. Glad you're here. Got two topics I want to address with you today. And Adam Delavitt, the big boss man, as I like to call him, former wrestler back in the World Wrestling Federation days, the halcyon days of Hulk Hogan in the 80s out at Rose Meisen. Uh, Adam has suggested everybody is screaming. Everybody is thirsty for more White Sox conversation, most specifically Tim Anderson, who is going to trend on Twitter, it seems, for the duration of this baseball season. And I am happy to accommodate the deli man because I've had strong thoughts on Anderson dating back to his terrific season when he won a batting title in 2019 and comments made about him being the modern day Jackie Robinson were defended. How do those defenders look now? Now that we have four more years of evidence, the Tim Anderson's a jag. The Tim Anderson is a clubhouse problem, and there's lots of evidence. There's lots of evidence coming in from sources who are connected to the organization, Ozzie Guillen on uh, NBC Sports, and I'll get to his comments made last night after the game, comments made in the last several days about this White Sox shit show, and that's literally what it's been called um, by Keenan Middleton. Hey, thank you for making a contribution to the 23 season, Middles. Uh, the sh- what did he say? Shit rolls downhill, my producer Sam Michael told me was his exact quote. So much fun to get into it, and I'll try to provide a new angle to it because it's a lot of the same lately and people just throwing haymakers like their Cleveland Guardians at Tim Anderson. And what a weak-ass punch that put him down. I'll get to the White Sox in a second. I also want to get today to Justin Fields, who at Bed Rivers is the most wagered on NFL player for the league's MVP award coming up. Wah, wah, wee, wah. Borat Sagiev. Sagdiev. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that secondly. And it, it's not that I'm rooting against Justin Fields, but damn it, this media that just continues to slurp away is making me want to short his stock this year. All right, the White Sox. Winners! 
How about that? And Tim Anderson plunked last night. <laughs> Garrett Cole, who, according to most sources, is one of baseball's most likable players, likable superstars anyway, hit him up high on the wrist. Anderson did not react. He took his base. And, uh, of course, social media quick say, hey, Anderson got hit again. He did nothing about it. I think he's he's had his his fair share of beatings lately. The shot he took over the weekend, Saturday, um, <laughs> which was caught with like the, the 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 inside of the fist, not even the the good punching part, the inside, the heel of the hand, and the knuckles right at the uh, right at the fingertips. That's enough to knock big tough guy Tim Anderson to the dirt. Pedro Grifol the manager of these White Sox has done a terrible job in terms of the so-called culture clubhouse atmosphere. That's a fine way of describing it for me, our culture. Um, Grafal said the other day, we haven't had leaders and Ozzie Guillen took him to task for that. He says, that's the sort of thing you got to find out in spring training, who your leaders are. And ultimately leadership must come from you. Rewind 18 seasons. And even before the White Sox went 11 and 1 in 0 5 in the postseason, Ozzie Guillen was the leader of that White Sox outfit. You can say what you want about Paul Canerco being the silent leader. That's accurate. He led by example. He didn't want to be the captain because he's not one of those rah rah guys. Not the wasn't one, not the kind of guy who's gonna you know tip over the post game spread, the old seventies version of caring. So Guillen took that role, and Guillen became the personality of the White Sox, and he got assistance from AJ Pruszynski. Although AJ was in his first year with the White Sox, he had just been signed. Boy, what a bargain Kenny Williams got him at too. I think it was less than a million dollars for A.J. Pruszynski in 0-5. If memory serves correctly, he got trashed by people in San Francisco in his short stay there after a terrific start to his career in Minnesota. So the White Sox got, he was accused, in case you don't remember, of playing cards instead of going over the scouting report with pitchers before games. He took a really bad, he took a beating from Giants personnel, Giants teammates. So the White Sox got him at a bargain basement price and God damn, did it pay off. Who could forget the drop third strike heard round the world in game two of the ALCS? And had it not been for that alert base running play by Brzezinski, maybe the Sox don't win that game. Maybe they go to Anaheim down two games to none. Of course, they they followed those two games at the cell with three consecutive complete game performances. You'll never see that again. You'll never see that again in the regular season. You might not even see two again in the regular season, but Pruszynski provided leadership and Guillen is correct. Why don't, how can you not make those observations in spring training and have a conversation behind closed doors with the guys who are going to be your captains, the guys who have to raise hell, the guys who have to have those conversations with guys who aren't hustling. And that's a white Sox problem. It is an atmosphere. It is a shit show. When you get right down to it, guys not giving their best effort, guys terribly underperforming. 
Tim Anderson has batted in 19 runs this year with one home run. Yoan Moncada has been a disaster. Dylan Cease, who I guess, you know, they're hanging on to. They obviously didn't move him. They, they still think he's got a tremendous future. And I guess after finishing among the vote leaders last year in Cy Young balloting, that's probably the right thing to do. But he couldn't find the strike zone last night to save his life. But nonetheless, White Sox, White Sox strong. The White Sox, you know, and uh, what Gian said something too that I want to get into. He he mentioned after the spring training commentary, he had had dinner recently with AJ Pierzynski, Jermaine Dye, the MVP of the Zero Five World Series, and Joe Creedy, who also was a uh, was a very good candidate to win the World Series that year, flashing his Brooks Robinson esque leather at Minute Maid Park, and they all agreed, no leaders on this team. You don't have no leaders, man. Uh, Ozzy Guillen is Tony Montana. Al Pacino's character from Brian De Palma's gangster thriller Scarface many years ago. You don't have no leadership, man. You know what? <laughs> I love listening to Ozzy. Ozzy Guillen very well could be your next manager of the White Sox. Do not underestimate, in case you've missed me say this earlier in a few a few podcasts ago, Jerry Reinsdorf has one more Reinsdorfian move in him. There's not a doubt in my mind. He is completely capable of fucking this up one more time. As he did when he hired Robin Ventura. He promotes his favorite players, and in many cases, they have a license to fail for ridiculously long amounts of time. Don't be surprised, too, if Jim Tomey is added to the administrative staff or even takes a job in a uniform. Would it shock me if he were the next manager? No, not at all. It's Reinsdorfian, and he's going to make the move. Jerry's approaching the end, man. This dude's in his late 80s. Math is not on his side. No matter how good he might feel, no matter what positive reports he may get from his doctors, TikTok, and he will make another move. He's lucid enough, he's angry enough to put his signature on this baseball team to retard its further growth. And that's unfortunate. That's part of Keenan Middleton's shit show as it rolls downhill. I believe that's what I uh, what I needed to say about the White Sox today, who now are 24 games below the 500 mark after their thrilling win over the Yankees last night. Cubs losers to the Mets. Cubs are going to be a story until the end. I think they're going to make the playoffs after winning two out of three against the Braves over the weekend, especially the way they were tattooed in the opener, that seven run inning, uh, Kyle Hendricks so much for my comeback player of the year speech last week, getting his ears pinned back in that one. And then the Cubs, Cubs come right back and they take games two and three of the series and that Atlanta team, as it proved over the course of six minutes, can give you a royal moon pounding before you know you're on your belly. Sorry if that's too graphic for you. Let me get to the upcoming NFL season for Justin Fields and the Bears. 
I mentioned a few minutes back, he is the most wagered on player to win the MVP this year. And that is something that I find, I don't find it crazy astonishing, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are just willing to burn their money because they're so caught up in the excitement over the Bears. And you should be excited about the Bears. It's the same record playing on both sports yappers in town lately on how much better equipped the Bears offense is. I don't know how many times you need to say that before the ball goes in the air on the 10th of September at 325 against Jordan Love, who's having a rough camp, and the Green Bay Packers. How many more times you got to say DJ Moore and Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney should be a great treat? Yeah, okay, we know that. So that's why people are high on fields. They think a second year under the great Luke Getze will be just enough to push him into the consideration for MVP voting. Voting, Yet those same people are, are really bashful when it comes to setting the bar too high for fields as a passer. As a runner, there's nothing left to prove. He was the seventh most productive rusher in the NFL last year, and nobody had more 40-plus yard rushes than Fields did. The Bears don't want him finishing seventh in rushing yards this year. He's still going to be a huge part of it. And, you know, with Khalil Mack, Khalil Khalil Herbert and um, the rookie, Roshan Johnson, the fourth rounder out of Texas, in the backfield, that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. I think Herbert had 700 rushing yards last year. He's okay coming out of the backfield. He sucks in pass pro, but you get away with that in the NFL these days. Even tight ends get away with it. I just don't know why in the world you would think an improvement of I need to first set this up by noting the over on Fields passing yards. It's at 2850 and it's getting a ton of action. Lots of people are betting on Fields to go over 2850. That's how low the bar is for Bears passing yards this year. 2850 yards passing would be an upgrade of about 600 yards from a year ago when Fields finished tied for 26th in the league in passing yards with Lamar Jackson, who, as you recall, missed a handful of games at the end. Couldn't get back on the field. He wasn't healthy. Right behind Fields and Jackson was Atlanta's Marcus Mariota. He quit with four or five games left on the schedule. And he still was nipping at the heels of Justin Fields, who started 15 games to the 11 of the Falcons quarterback until December when he took his ball and went home. Do you know how many guys went over 2850? Now, this is just a total. This, this is not this is not by any stretch a barometer of how much improvement we're going to see from the Bears third year quarterback this year. But think for a second. 2850 a year ago. How many guys in the NFL do you think passed for more than 2850 yards? How many guys got to 2900? How many guys got to 3000 or better? 
Now, you know the obvious ones flirt with 5,000 yards per season if you're Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or a few other guys or in years past when you had some amazing talent at the position, Peyton Manning, you had guys just reeling off those huge, hugely productive years in primarily passing offenses. There's guys who go well above 4,000 yards consistently. Kirk Cousins has done it seven times in his career, more than 4,000 yards. 2850 is the bar for Justin Fields. And if it doesn't go over, boy, is hell coming to breakfast. That either means an injury or the Bears weren't much better. I'm inclined to go over on 2850. To answer the question, there were 20 guys last year in the NFL who passed for more than 2,850 yards. The year before, in 2021, 25 guys passed for more than 2,500, more than 2,850. Here's a question for you to think about, and it's well documented. You know, you only have to watch one Bears-Packers game in the last 30 years. Well, maybe not quite that long before Favre began his dominance over the Bears and a lot of the NFL, to see the list of names that gets crawled on our screen every time the Packers are beating the shit out of the Bears, you see all those names of the Moses Morenos and Henry Burrises of the world, and oh my God, Peter Tomwell. You see all those starters, and you're reminded of the worst, I don't think there's any question about it, the worst history at the most important position of any team in the NFL, certainly of the first 24 teams before the Seahawks and Buccaneers came in together. The Bears have only beat 2,850 yards in a season 13 times in the history of the franchise. That's how thin it's been. You want further damage? Your MVP, <laughs> your MVP guy, the guy you're putting money on the MVP. He's chasing Kyle Orton. He's chasing Mitch Trubisky, who twice as a bear threw for more than 3,000 yards. And there's this talk of division titles and maybe more and most valuable player consideration for the quarterback. And that's what you expect him to do as a passer to be better than Kyle Orton was in zero five or six. Whenever he logged most of his starts, Rex Grossman did it. I mean, there, there were other bear. There are some very mortal bears who have thrown for more than 3000 yards, but there's only 13 of them in franchise history who in one season passed for more than 2850. So you go ahead if you want. And plunk down $100 on Justin Fields to win the MVP. It is the most voted on, most wagered on propositional bet at Bet Rivers this NFL season. I will short that stock. Can I take the field and give you big odds? What kind of odds would I be willing to pay? Man, I've made a, I made a dumb bet once. Once. Uh, the dumbest bet I ever made was when I gave a guy 10 to 1 odds the guy was Harry Tynowitz on the uh, ESPN afternoon show of Mac. You're going, Harry, that uh, Grex Grossman would start every game during the 06 Super Bowl season. 
Grossman was struggling in midstream. He had a game against the Vikings that was just a death march. And Yurko and I both thought Lovey Smith was going to hook him in favor of either Orton or Brian Greasy, who was rostered as their third QB that season. I want Greasy. And um, he didn't bench him. He didn't get hurt. And Grossman had a had a history, as many quarterbacks do, of getting dinged up. And he started all 16 games that year. And on a $200 bet, I paid uh, Harry Tynowitz 10 to 1 odds. In case you're math challenged, that's $2,000. I paid him in singles and fives. Yurko paid him in change. I'm not kidding. He called his bank and ordered $2,000 in quarters. And that's, he had several hand trucks. The interns had to run down to the ABC building lobby with two hand trucks to bring up Harry's earnings, his winnings, because Rex Grossman started all 16. If Field starts all 16 and doesn't get to 2850, it's a horrible year. I don't care if he rushes for 1,500 yards. That's a terrible year. you got to make progress. I'm going over on that. Man, if it doesn't go over, you are screwed, Bears fans. That has to go over. And I'm rooting for Fields to go over. I would love to see him rush for more than 1,000 yards again, as long as it's not by design or because receivers just can't get separation. This is supposed to be the big trio. This is supposed to be the best they've had. Forget all about Dennis McKinnon, Willie Galton, Keith Ortigo. Here come the 23 Bears. I want him to win. I'm just tired of the slurp fest. It's really, really annoying. So I will do my very best to use sports radio sparingly. Please kick the ball. They will soon. I will scout the Minnesota Vikings on Thursday's podcast. Tomorrow, I'm going to record with Pete Bursich, who follows the Vikings for KFAN, KFAN, the radio outlet in Minneapolis that carries their games. He used to play for the Vikings. He was a special teams ace linebacker out of Notre Dame, local guy from the Southwest Burbs. He played his uh, high school football in the Catholic League at Providence. Pete is a very honest guy, and the Vikings have had some issues in camp with their young wide receivers who are brought in to augment an already terrific passing attack. The most productive player in the league at the position of wide receiver last year was Justin Jefferson. Now, Cooper Cup was hurt and only started 10, 11 games, maybe not even that many. I don't have it in front of me. But he was the best, and we'll scout the Vikings and see what they have in store, what they've looked like thus far in camp, and what Bursich's honest prognosis is. I know he's going to say, Dalvin Cook, oh, man, how'd we let him? How do we let him do that? But that's the nature of the position. And I also will explore what's being termed now by former Indianapolis Colts as a shit show 160 miles south of my domicile. Thank you so very much for listening to this podcast. I'm excited about the NFL inching its way toward our living rooms. Only four more Sundays without the shield. I'll be back in a couple of days. Thank you so very much for listening. I'm Dan McNeil. So long. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.